welcome to GYSB Talks. I am your host, Carla Palmer, founder and creator of GYSB. Get your sexy back, health and fitness movement. Over 13 years ago, I lost over 50 pounds and on that journey, I found joy, peace and more self-love. That's how the GYSB movement got started because I wanted to share with other people what I had found for myself. And now in my 50s, I'm still on this journey. And now I'm starting to navigate some of the inevitable changes that come with aging. So GYSB Talks will cover topics that will help women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s get to their next level of optimal living. Physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, and in relationships. Guys, I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get into today's topic, shall we? Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of GYSB Talks. I am your host, Carla Palmer. We've got another incredible episode for you today. We are talking about the F word that no woman wants to hear. And I mean fibroids, as it really impacts, um, especially the Black community. I know that there are a lot of women who are impacted by fibroids, but the Black community is heavily impacted by fibroids. Black women get fibroids more often than white women and more severe. Um, So today we're going to be talking with my friend, Elizabeth Stevens. And Elizabeth Stevens, let me tell you a little bit about Elizabeth. Elizabeth has been working in HR for the past 15 years. She enjoys traveling, volunteering in her community, and loves fitness. Her most recent accomplishment has been completing the LA Marathon. I saw you training for that, girl. Yes, it was not easy. (laughs) (laughs) It was not easy, but you did it. And, uh, you know, welcome to the show, first of all. Thank you. You and I are connected through fitness. We used Mm -hmm. to be in an amazing class every Sunday where we all just kind of fed off of each other's energy. We got it in. Yes, we did. (laughs) (laughs) I used to be like, how am I doing this? Right? No, seriously. I used to be like, how did I just do that set? How did I just do that set? But then, you know, we would look at each other. Everybody would like kind of like vibe off of each other's energy. And then we found strength. We mustered up strength that we didn't even realize we had for some of that stuff. For real. Yeah. Nah, those were good times. That dang pandemic ruined that for us, man. It sure did. (laughs) But that's all right. That is okay. We found other ways. We found other ways. I have uh, not been as uh, strong in in, in all that as uh, I was when I was doing that since the pandemic. But I'll get back there. You certainly haven't missed a beat. Well, I actually used the pandemic to get back in shape. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I see. Well, Mm -hmm. let's, let's talk about, you know, this fibroid situation. The reason why you and Mm -hmm. I wanted to have this conversation is because of your experience with fibroids. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell everybody a little bit about your, how, you know, your first time getting fibroids and what that was like for you. Okay. I've actually had it twice. So the first time I had it, I was in my twenties. So I was about 28 when I had the surgery, the first surgery. And, but um, I was in about maybe 
mid twenties. And I might've had it longer than that because I was a little, I, I never went to the, the gynecologist like I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Then of course I finally go and then lo and behold, I have fibroids. And so, um, I didn't know that much. I mean, I knew that it was hereditary and it's something that some of the other people in my family has had, but now I was just like, I had to experience it. So. And how old were you this time, this first time? The first time I was 28 when I had my first surgery. 28 and you had a surgery to remove mm-hmm. them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk anything about your surgeries? Cause we don't, we only can go as deep as you want to go. So oh, I don't mind talking about either one. Okay, so let's talk about, because I know that some women don't have a lot of symptoms and they don't know, like you didn't know, right, Mm -hmm. that you had fibroids. So what would you recommend people do as far as like getting it checked out and making sure that they're up to date with their their paps and all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So the most important thing is, of course, going to your going to your OB, going to the guy, the gynecologist. Mm-hmm. So your OBGYN is the one that usually checks it. Or even sometimes when you just go get your pap smears and it's from your, um, your, um, just your, your regular, your primary care. So when your primary care comes and they do the pap smear, usually a lot of the times they also press on your stomach. Okay. When they're pressing on your stomach, they're checking for things that it, like the softness, the hardness, if it's hard, like usually I'll be a little graphic. They put their fingers up in you, you know, Mm -hmm. like they normally do. And then at that time, they usually do that. And at the same time, they're pressing your belly. Yes. So when they're doing that, they're feeling for it. So when they touched my belly and did that, they were like, oh, I think you have fibroids. Mm -hmm. Or And that's when I had to like go and get checked. So when you went to get checked, they give you like the ultrasound. And when they give you the ultrasound, they then um, will determine what size they are. They can be huge. And I remember when I had it, the first, I, I, I used to get sometimes, oh, how many months are you? Oh, I'm not pregnant. I have fibroids. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and so I just was used to it. So now I try not to ask women that question mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you never know what may be going on. They may not be pregnant. They may be like me who had a, a fibroids or, or whatever have you. So um, yeah, it made my stomach, it made me look like about, I was about five months pregnant. Okay. And they just, they removed it. And how was that for you, the surgery? So um, initially, and I guess a lot of the times people don't realize they're having symptoms too, because they don't know. Um, So I guess I probably had the symptoms, but just didn't realize it. So before I had my fibroids, I'll kind of explain how it was before I had my fibroids. Yes, please do. And then a different. So before I had the fibroid surgery, I was, I would get extremely sick during my, during that time of the month. So I would, I, I was to the point where I was throwing up. Okay. I would get nauseous. I would throw up. I'd have heavy menstrual cycles to the point where if I'm going, if I'm at, if it's really heavy that night, and that's one of the key things, like the heaviness of your, your, your cycle, cause it shouldn't be that extremely heavy. Mine would be so heavy that I couldn't even lay down. I would have to like sit up mm. sleeping so that it wouldn't spill all over then you know i think maybe now they might have better products and stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right now but back then you know you just had your your, your basics mm-hmm. so um so i didn't realize that that wasn't what a normal period was okay um and you know at, 
I think our generation, our parents didn't talk, don't really talk about anything. No, they didn't really talk about so, a lot of things. So they just, there's, it's just like, oh, that's your regular period. They're not like, maybe you should go to the doctor and check that out. Or maybe mm-hmm. you should, you know, mm-hmm. so that wasn't the case in my, in my part. So, um, I went to the doctor and then they said I had fibroids. At first, when I first went to the doctors, I used to be scared. And I, I actually had my ex-husband who was probably, he was my fiance at the time. I had him come with me to the doctor because mm-hmm. I was so scared. By the time they finished poking and prodding, I was like, I'm a pro. I got this. Mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. You, you have so many different ultrasounds. They did um, the vaginal ultrasound. They did the belly, the, the belly ultrasound. They did because they have to keep checking it every so often to see you know, once you're scheduled for your surgery to make sure it's not growing, to see if there's no issues. And then you have to get, I had a um, MRI also. Um, mm-hmm. So they do all of this stuff and they, they prep you to go in. And then it's about, um, it normally should take about three hours for okay. the surgery. Um, and so I had the surgery. It's basically what I always describe it as is basically having a C-section without the baby. I stayed about maybe two, three days. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I left. And, um, but before that, also I ended up having, during the surgery, I did suffer some hemorrhaging. So they had to give me a blood transfusion. Okay. Um, so I had the blood transfusion. I had that. So this was of course my first time having any type of major surgery. Mm-hmm. So I did have the surgery and you know, of course, when you have that, you're supposed to kind of relax, not do as much because mm-hmm. you don't realize how much you need those stomach muscles for everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was like, I'm in my 20s. I got this. So maybe about a week and a half, two weeks after I've been home, I went with my with my um, my ex-husband and his grandmother downtown and we were walking in the alley. Mm. That wasn't a good thing to do. Okay, okay. Because then I ended up back in the hospital. <laughs> so what did you, did the doctor tell you not to do all that walking and you did it anyway, or you just felt I, like you were fine? I felt like I was fine enough to walk okay. and okay. do everything, but I guess I wasn't. So then my cut ended up getting infected mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I had to go in the hospital and I actually was in the hospital longer that time than I was even initially. Hmm. So I was maybe in the hospital about four or five days. Mm-hmm. because they had to, you know, get the fever down. And then once it, it ended up opening up, like where the cut was, whatever was giving me the infection ended up, op- it, it released it. Okay. I stayed at my sister's at the time because it was easy to stay there because mm-hmm. she had one level. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up being there and our cousin came over and she kind of helped me because mm-hmm. she had to pack, unpack and unpack my wound. Okay. Wow. Your cousin had to do the nursing. Yes. Yes. So that's how the first one was. But after that, let me ask you this. Was your cousin, did she know how to do that? Or did she just have to get trained a little bit to do that? Was, um, was she a nurse? She wasn't a nurse, but I, I believe if I can recall, she's done some like in home, you know how they have like the overnight people that stay yeah. with people who are sick or whatever have mm-hmm. you. So she did a little bit. So I kind of just explained it to her and what she had to do because mm-hmm. um, she was the only one that wouldn't get grossed out okay. <laughs> from doing okay. it, I guess you would say. Because my sister was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and I know my mom wasn't going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> she would have if she had to, though. But um, 
So with the surgery, did you have a full hysterectomy? No, at that time that I had what they call a myomectomy. Okay. So a myomectomy is basically when they go in, they go into the uterus, they remove the fibroids, they sew you back up. Okay. So you, they keep everything in place. And you can still have kids after that. And you can still have kids because I had both of my ovaries. I had my uterus still, but they said that because they had to cut into my uterus, that I couldn't deliver vaginally. Okay. I could only have a baby through a cesarean. Okay. And moving forward. Okay. Funny thing was, I was slightly relieved. <laughs> Girl, let me tell you something. When I when they told me that my I wasn't dilated far enough to have it vaginal, I was so happy. Because <laughs> I remember I was being terrified to push the, that. Yes, I remember being in the seventh grade when they showed that video. The video, and, me too, and I was just like, us. "No, I do not ever." I said, "I want the babies. I just don't want to push." I agree with you 100%. I mean, there are so many, you know, other ways though, like in the water, the birth in the water, which seems mm-hmm. beautiful, like those yes. kinds of things. But I wasn't versed in that. I didn't know anything about that. Right. You know, they didn't have that. that they didn't the, talk about that type of stuff. Nope. Then, they though. sure didn't. They showed us those videos and I'm like, are y'all trying to scare us into not having any kids? Right. Okay. So yeah. you, um, you mentioned something though. You said uh, something about hereditary. Yeah, so my mom actually had fibroids. After I had them, she ended up having a, her surgery. And she actually ended up having a partial hysterectomy. Okay, got it. Um, but by that time, she might have been in her 40s or 50s, possibly. Um, I, I have an aunt that had it. I had another aunt. So I had a couple of different people in my family that has had it. I see, I see. How did you um, mentally prepare for the surgery? Uh, the first time? Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to mentally prepare. Okay. So I actually freaked out a little bit in the surgery room. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, not the surgery, the, the, the prep room before you go into surgery. Because so they, they put you to, under, right? Yeah. And before they put you under, they put all the IVs in. And I actually was pretty calm until I heard somebody next door to me freaking out. About the same surgery? <laughs> I don't know if it was necessarily the same surgery, but it's like pre-op. I mean, or post-op or pre-op. Mm-hmm. So they're all, you're all kind of in there. You can't see the next person, but they're getting everybody ready for the yeah. surgery. Yeah. And so I heard the person freaking out and it freaked me out because I was calm right until then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you don't know what to expect. You don't, I, it's my first time ever having a major surgery. Um, Are there so, chances of, I mean, everything you can die, mm-hmm. but um, do you know what the, the risks are for death? I don't know the risk, but I'm going to go and if I, I'll tell you what happened in my second surgery, then you'll okay. understand how close. Okay. So tell me about finding out about the second need for okay. surgery. So it was about 10 years later. Cause I had my second surgery. It just so happened at 38. Wow. So it just so happened that they were 10 years apart, but I knew I had the fibroids even a, a year or so before then. But my doctor, um, my OB, um, she was an amazing woman um, at Kaiser, black woman, Dr. Sylvester. Um, I've heard and of her. So every time I talk about her, people mm-hmm. are like, oh, she's one of the best. Mm-hmm. Like, these are the doctors saying that. Mm-hmm. So I was, let me tell you, sometimes God puts you in the right places. Yeah. I'll just say, I'll, I'll, st- I'll premise that. So 
initially she didn't want to do the surgery. She's like, let's do a couple of things to see if we can at least shrink it. And then if we could shrink it, then we can do like a laparoscopic where they just do two small little incisions, laser, Mm -hmm. and you're done. Okay. Where it's like the recovery is two to three weeks. So she didn't want to do the major, like a major surgery if she didn't have to. So, you know, some people want to do, some people think that all the only way that you can have fibroids removed is through that major surgery, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And so um, it wasn't necessarily a surgery where you can go in and they cauterized the area from like where the, the blood circulation from the, um, the, the fibroid is. When they do that, you run the risk of, because she says, you don't know where, this is what, how she had explained it to me. She explained that that one is a lot less invasive, mm-hmm. but if you want to have children, and at that time I was still thinking I might have children in the future. By this time, I'm not even married. I'm divorced. So I'm like, well, maybe there's somebody in the future, you know, you never know. So um, she wanted to to keep everything as good as she possibly could. And with that, with, with cauterizing it all, there's a possibility that it'll... Um, even though they take it out and they remove it, they might cut, cut um, like cut off the blood vessel connections that that'll the circulation that goes to the uterus, which means you can't carry kids, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So she didn't recommend that. So then she thought she said, "Well, we could do the, the laparoscopic one, which is the one that's very in, it's not as um, extensive as having the full myomectomy or hysterectomy or anything like that." Mm-hmm. So that was our goal. Our goal was to have the laparoscopic surgery where she, she said that you do two small incisions, they, they remove the fibroids that way, and then it takes two to three weeks to heal. Okay. So what she gave me was this medicine called Depralupron. Hmm. And Depralupron, it's not like um, the Depravera, it's not like birth control or anything. It, it helps reduce your estrogen levels so that... Um, basically because the um, fibroids feeds on the estrogen and the blood that okay. comes in. So if you're, um, you know, basically when you have a period, it's because you have the, your, the estrogen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you don't have the estrogen, you're not bleeding as heavily. Except. Okay. Okay. So I had to get off birth control and I was on the Depralupron. Depralupron was like a shot. Basically I would get a shot, I believe every three months in my, my the, like the upper level of my butt cheek. And the one side effect that it does is sometimes it may cause hot flashes. So Mm. it brought on hot flashes. Oh, that was the worst thing. But she did end up telling me after I suffered. So I I, I had no hairline at that that point. Whenever my hair would be straightened, the whole front would be an afro. Mm. (laughs) Because... It's the, the, it was horrible. (laughs) So she ended up giving me these pills that counteracted the hot flash. I can't remember what they were called, but basically they're for hot flashes. Okay. And so I I did that, but, um, so I took the Depralupron, but then like within a year of that time frame, I started having really heavy, um, bleeding episodes again. Hmm. So she was like, I don't know, let's go ahead and check you again. So that's when. Um, it was close. I was supposed to have my surgery. Now, mind you, my surgery was the day before Thanksgiving in 2018. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was the day before Thanksgiving 2018. But before that, I had to go get the MRI just to because they like to make sure everything is okay. 
And, and the plan was I was going to get the laparoscopic. But when I did the MRI, she said my fibroids had grown so, so, so much that they couldn't. And what was they the time frame in between? Within those a little- year. Within oh, a year. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So she said, instead of the, you know, the Depralupron usually works and shrinks mm-hmm. them. It, mine were like, you're not <laughs> Depralupron, please. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go and grow how I want to grow. Wow. <laughs> and they did. And um, so they ended up growing. And so before the surgery, um, we ended up, she ended up saying, you can't have the laparoscopic. We're going to have to do the regular myomectomy. Don't worry, I'm going to preserve everything because I know you want to have children, etc. Okay. Now, the thing about the second time is now I kind of knew what to expect. So even right, so before they scheduled it, I stayed, I, I tried to eat, uh, I tried you I, I built, I tried to eat all the foods that would build build up my iron because mm-hmm. I knew like the last time I had a um you know, I had to have a blood transfusion mm-hmm. because of hemorrhaging. So I wanted to make sure my iron levels were high. Um, my blood was good. Um, I even did a lot more. I did a ab work because okay. I wanted to build up the muscles yeah. around there to help me so that when I'm healing, it's off that also would heal as, you know, a lot easier, or I would be able to, to move around a lot easier because I had my, my abs were strong enough. Okay. Okay. So that kind of helped me prepare this time. I went into the surgery. I wasn't all nervous, but I knew what to expect. Mm -hmm. I guess you would say I knew that I was going to go in. It was a three hour surgery. Um, and that was that. Well, went into the surgery. I said my prayer because I know that there is a chance with any major surgery, there's a chance of risk of, of, of anything happening, you know, by this time I've seen so much Grey's Anatomy. I felt like I was a, you know, I was a TV doctor. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so you kind of know from, honestly, actually from seeing those type of things, you realize there is so much risk in any type of surgery, any type of major surgery you have, because you're literally opening you up, moving your organs around to get to where they need to go. You know, fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it it's, is. it's scary, but it, it's just it it's fascinating what doctors are able to do and know what to do. Mm-hmm. So let's go to the day of the surgery. The okay. day of the surgery, I go in, my mom drops me off. I put my stuff, they put, they give you your stuff. And I didn't say this before, but they give you your stuff and you put it in a locker or you give it to the person that's with you mm-hmm. either way. So you put it in that locker and they, you know, if you put it in the locker, they'll just bring it to your room once you get into a room. Okay. They, they put it, put everything in the locker. Then you go into the room, they put your IV in, they do everything. Well, this day, of course, I had my doctor. She's been an OB for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, um, then, um, or I say OBGYN uh, for over 20 years. And the part the anesthesiologist that was there i i think couldn't come in Mm. so that that day the anesthesiologist was actually the head of anesthesiology Mm. Mm -hmm. so i had the person that was the head of anesthesiology not to mention the person that was assisting her as in the doctor she's known for years they actually did medical school together so it's just like everything was lining up for me that day okay good and um i had all the best 
at least in my head, I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had all the best. You had, had what you needed that, to be at ease. Yes. Mm-hmm. I had people that knew how to work together. I had the head of anesthesiology all in my operating room. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, the surgery is supposed to be three hours. Uh, they had some complications. Oh, wow. During my surgery. And my three hour surgery turned into a nine hour surgery. Wow. What was happening? Did they tell you afterwards? Yeah. So they did tell me. So what happened is my three hour surgery ended up being nine hour surgery because after they finished, now they had finished everything that they needed to, and they were trying to sew me up, but the bleeding wouldn't stop. She said it just kept coming. Every time they tried to cover it, you know, pack the wound or, or whatever, pack it up and hold down the pressure, blood wouldn't, wouldn't stop. Hmm. So, um, it got to the point where it, I was bleeding so much. They couldn't even take me into the other room where they could, um, immediate, like, like use the laser to, to soak, to, to cover, you know, to, um, because that helps, um, how do I say it would help with the bleeding a lot quicker, but the laser I was bleeding what? like the laser, like, cause they could cauterize it. They could okay. stop it, you know, cauterize it off where the bleeding is, but they couldn't even do that because I was bleeding so profusely. So I was told that they ended up having to come out and speak to my mom. What? And she had to, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Wait, come out like the talk, talk? Talk, to talk. Cause oh. she had to sign papers because oh my goodness. they couldn't, they couldn't keep everything in there. They had to remove my, they had to remove my uterus. It was either that or die. <sighs> I'm and so sorry. No, it's okay. You know what? I said a prayer before I went in because mm-hmm. I knew I had, I always go into everything mm-hmm. understanding what could happen. Mm-hmm. Like I knew that the, what, what was supposed to happen is I was supposed to come, supposed to come out with everything in me. Yeah. But I also knew that if there was complications, they could do a hysterectomy. Okay. If there was co- complications, I could not be here. Right. So I, I, I went in with the, with the, with cognizantly knowing that this could possibly be mm-hmm. what it is. And, you know, I went in knowing that be, and I didn't really know that in the, the first time. So it made me more at ease because I knew what to expect. I knew how to feel. I knew mm-hmm. what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so... So you were, said, you were able to, to count it as joy in a way because, yeah, so yeah. exactly. So what happened is the woman came out and, and my mom tells me the story and my doctor tells me the story the same way. Okay. My doctor says, we, my mom says she came out, um, they signed the papers and she's like, I need you to hurry because she's in there and we got to get this done type of thing. Wow. So um, that's what doctor said. Yeah. Okay. And, and my mom, she says, I'm sorry, we we have to remember. She's like, it's all right. I know my daughter. She plans for everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my mom even said. So mm-hmm. my mom, my mom says, okay, it's fine. My mom, my daughter plans for everything. I'm pretty sure she was scared, but she did tell the doctor, my mom, my daughter plans for everything. Mm-hmm. So if you had to remove her, if you have to re- remove it, it's okay. She'll be okay. And she signed mm-hmm. the papers. It's so beautiful so she- <laughs> that your mom knows you like that, and she wasn't. Yeah. In, you know, in panic mode and in a mm-hmm. you know in hysterics because yeah. Mm-hmm. knowing you helped her stay calm. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. So she went in, they came out and I didn't even, you know, you're out. So you don't realize this much time has passed. Mm-hmm. I woke up 
and everybody was like my mom and my sister was were there looking at me like are you okay is everything and so they kind of told me what happened and I don't think it I didn't realize it was that bad because I couldn't see myself but my mom my sister said from I guess from being under for so long she said my whole everything was so swollen like my face was swollen my everything was swollen and I'm, I'm all like oh there's people calling me they want to check on me she was like I got it and so she was she took care of my phone she didn't give it to me until like the next day I think did this <laughs> but did the, so like you didn't look you were unrecognizable in a way I have no idea okay. they didn't I didn't even see myself okay they kept <laughs> so you out the, of the mirror so you yes <laughs> and you know I'm not thinking of looking at myself in the mirror anyway because I'm in and out of sleep so okay. they said my three-hour surgery ended up being nine-hour surgery and they had to remove my my um uterus they removed my uterus and one of my ovaries and she kept one in there because mm -hmm. the other one had a, a lot of cysts on it so they had to remove it wow that's a lot to go through mm -hmm. and so when i asked the doctor because she, she said i ended up having to get a transfusion and she told me that i lost basically i lost most of the blood in my body and so i asked her i said i have a question for you i said so did i go into um, did I have going to shock or yeah. did anything happen? She was like, no, your heart kept pumping. Like nothing was going on. What? And she says, the reason why is because of your health. Cause I was in the gym all the time. See? So, you know, yeah. Tying so think it about in. it. When, think about it. When you work out mm -hmm. and you wake up and you check your heart, your heart rate, it doesn't need to pump as hard. Mm -hmm. So therefore my body didn't even realize, I guess it was in distress. So it wasn't pumping as hard as the maybe somebody that was out of shape mm -hmm. or something. So she told me basically this is how she she summed it up. That made me realize that my life is here because I guess I'm meant to be here. Mm -hmm. She said, had you had diabetes and you were the, and we we had you under, you wouldn't be here. What would what would have happened then? I would have died. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so she says because of the health that you were in is the reason why you're here. Mm -hmm. So for your heart, that. the way that it was beating and pumping, it just basically stayed steady? Yeah, she said it pumps like nothing was going on. Hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, so it's really important to be in shape, especially when you go and have surgeries. A lot of the times you, you can avoid some complications just from being healthy. So I really at least I... Yeah, I, so. I, I really like that you're tying it into that. And I didn't know mm -hmm. that it was going to go here. But like one mm -hmm. of the things, one of the questions that I was going to ask you was about lifestyle. And mm -hmm. if your lifestyle had anything to do with your progress as far as your fibroids and, and mm -hmm. having them removed and all of that, I was going to ask you. It mm -hmm. clearly, you know, being healthy. I try to tell people all the time and I hope people really hear me and I hope this hits home, you know, as you and I are mm -hmm. talking that right. being healthy and fit is just so much deeper yeah. than the physical it's, appearance. Exactly. It. It's mm -hmm. really not about your look. Mm -hmm. It's about how it makes you feel. Mm -hmm. It helps with stress. Well, you know, I was always pretty much in shape. And then when I got married, I kind of fell out of shape. I, I got up to like 200 pounds. Oh, wow. Because I, I can't wasn't making... you at 200 pounds. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I was like maybe at a size 14. Okay. And, but I'm five, seven. So it looks, it doesn't look as bad on me to me. I was just like, not in shape to me. So I okay. remember going through my divorce or, or, or separating from him. And 
I was in the gym. I know you said, I remember you talking about how you, you, it was like for you, it was a revenge. Uh-huh. It was a revenge me, weight loss. Right. For me, it was, it helped me stop thinking because at this time now I was unemployed because I had lost my job not long before that. I was going through this divorce that I was going through. And then I ended up having to live in my sister's house on the couch. Mm, all of that after the fire. All of this was going on um, before the, um, not the, after the, the, was it after the second, the first one? Not after the, the second one, but okay. before that. So that's when I started really getting back in shape. After the first and one. I re- yeah, after the mm-hmm. first one, after the first one, after all of this stuff and, you know, the marriage. And I started going to the gym. Cause I needed some, a release. Yeah. Cause I was, I was, nothing was going right in my life. So I was not very happy, I guess mm-hmm. you would say. Mm-hmm. So this helped me get back to me. Mm-hmm. And I think I lost about 30 or 40 pounds. Wow. Maybe more than, no, about 40 pounds. I lost about 40 pounds and I got to back who, to who I was. Mm-hmm. So after that, I've just consistently stayed in shape. Mm-hmm. So even before, like I said, before my second surgery, I knew that I I needed to be in shape. So I tried to do as much as I possibly could mm-hmm. to, to, even though I was already doing, I mean, you, you've seen me work out. Oh, I have. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, I was already doing it, but I was just like, I'm going to increase my, my ab work. I'm going to increase this. I'm going to increase, you know, certain things that I knew that would be good for for me having to have surgery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, wow, so that, all of those things tied in place. Tied yeah, in and that. it really explains how you and I connect, like why you connect with the movement with GYSB, mm-hmm. because you you get it, you understand yeah, it. So. I, I completely understand mm-hmm. it. I completely understand it. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I, I remember I was in the best of shape of my life. I mean, I, you know, as you get older, it's not as easy to lose the weight no and you got to work even harder or do different things so i mean i'm still not i'm still at a good weight don't get me wrong but i'm definitely not at that one where i where i was there yeah but, um, i get it i get mm-hmm. it wow still, well, i yeah. mean i appreciate you coming on and sharing mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. much detail because i don't know anything about fibroids and i'm gonna yeah. do a little bit more research yeah. Now that I've I've talked to you and mm-hmm. I definitely have my appointment coming up soon. I think it's in May because mm-hmm. I, I don't go to the doctor as much as I should either. Oh, you the, should. You know, we really want on this podcast, we really want mm-hmm. to raise awareness around certain issues that yeah. women who are in their 40s, 50s and 60s experience. We want to mm-hmm. make sure that we keep health a major, like a, just a priority in our lives, especially so when it important. Com- yes, comes to movement and the things that we take in as far as food mm-hmm. and alcohol, um, which yeah. I do a lot of both. Um, so I, mm-hmm. I never want to come out as I'm preaching to people because this, all of this movement and this, these interviews and the things that we mm-hmm. talk about on this podcast are for me too. Right. right. Yeah. So yeah, we're all leveling up together, um, learning mm-hmm. together. I want you guys who are listening to this podcast today, like, please go and get checked. Why don't you tell mm-hmm. them? You tell them what to do, Elizabeth. Well, definitely go and get checked. I, I honestly, I don't miss anything. Like every year I get my regular physical. I go, if, if anything that is not normal, that doesn't feel normal to me, I make an appointment. It's important mm-hmm. to make an appointment. You don't pay your premiums 
so that you could just pay your premiums. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you have them so that you could use them. And I definitely use mine. So I go and get all of my, my tests. I get my blood work. I do everything every year because it's better to be, to prevent, to do, to be, to do preventative work mm -hmm. than now, okay, I'm sick. So now I have to go to the doctor all the time. Cause if you do the preventative work, you don't have to, it's a, a lot less likely that you have to do all the other stuff where you're, where you're going to the doctor because you have to have surgery for this. You have to do this. You have to, mm -hmm. you know, so be, be, be proactive. Yep. Don't wait until something happens. Yep. Just do it because yep. you never know you could have cancer, but you don't know the, the surgeries have taught me a lot. So even, um, what I do, and I'm not saying you should do this too, but now because I feel like somebody gave blood so that I could be here, I, I, I pay it forward and I go and get, I donate all the time. Mm -hmm. So I donate blood all the time after, after my surgeries. And, you know, also as a thing, people can do this too. If you know you're having surgery and there's a possibility that you might need a transfusion, you can, you can get your blood stored oh. and use your, utilize your own blood for your own surgery. Oh, I, I didn't, didn't know, know that. that. Yeah, you can. You could probably just ask your doctor, hey, how do I, how can I do that? And then if they don't use it, then, you know, it could be utilized, I guess, for any patient that needs it. But if you want, you can actually donate your own blood for mm -hmm. your own surgeries. So mm -hmm. I'm glad you said that because mm -hmm. as you, you said twice in the, in the story that you were telling mm -hmm. about both surgeries yeah. that you needed to have a blood transfusion. And I remember yes. like noting, noting it in my head, like, Oh, at the end, make sure you remind people if you are able to donate blood, how important yes. it is because it can it save a life. Very important. <laughs> it isn't very important. And so that's why I also do it. I do it like clockwork because I am O positive. So if I don't, American Red Cross, Red Cross is like, hey, we need your blood. It's time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, let me just go. And I don't do it because they get on my nerves. I do it because I know that what I'm doing is going to help somebody else mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. might've been in the same boat as me or, um, or needs it, you know? And mm -hmm. so I, I'm still thinking of doing some other stuff, but I'm not there yet. They're talking about, you know, the platelets, which is very important for cancer patients. Mm -hmm. um, so if people are interested in that, it just, it's, it's just that you have to sit there for two hours mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they take your platelets out and then they give them to the cancer patients. Wow. So there's so many different things that you can do to help others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I consider myself um, a philanthropist and I was on, mm -hmm. a, I was on someone else's podcast recently, mm -hmm. Transacting mm -hmm. Value Podcast, if you guys are interested. Um, it's a great podcast. It's really about values and how you live through those values. But mm -hmm. anyway, we were talking and I was like, he goes, you know, what's some things that describe who you are? And I said, well, I am definitely a philanthropist. And I want to explain the word philanthropy because mm -hmm. it's not just giving monetarily. No, it it's is not. giving of your time. Like you are very mm -hmm. heavily involved in community service. Mm -hmm. It is giving giving your talent. If you have a talent or a skill that you could mm -hmm. give that will help educate or help mm -hmm. someone else get something exactly. that they need. And it's now that you're talking, it's also these sort of acts of service, like mm -hmm. giving of yourself, like your blood mm -hmm. and your mm -hmm. platelets, like these things we don't really think about. Yeah. If we really start to think about what does the world need and, you know, heal the mm -hmm. world kind of conversations that people have and 
these blanket statements that people they I want to heal the world. Well, these are little ways. Little ways. Yes. Like if you can't afford it because like I can't afford to give money like other people can mm-hmm. afford to give money. I can afford to give my time. I can afford to give my blood. Mm-hmm. So like you said this morning, so what I do is um at my company, we usually have like a board of all the different volunteer things that we have in our area. Mm-hmm. And I look for the ones that are specifically in our communities because mm-hmm. There used to be a time where there were only like stuff that were far out. So now they have more in our compute in our area. So I try to do those. So like today I was in Compton mm-hmm. and we worked with um, this group out there called the Compton Initiative. Mm-hmm. And they, they do different things. I've worked with them several times before. So one time we helped um, paint a mural at a school and mm. redo like their, their, their playground area by put, like painting the hopscotch and, and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, one time we went out in the neighborhood and painted the walls with graffiti on it. Wow. Um, today we actually helped re, um, paint a house. Nice. You did so, that today. I did that today. <laughs> I, every time I look up, you're doing some community service. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I didn't realize how much I, it, when I started doing it, my goal for last year was to do more community work. Mm-hmm. Uh, volunteer more and that's what I did and so now it's at the point where it's just a part of my life mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking I'm like how can I work this in and so I, I worked it in I went there and I'm, I went to church today I went to rehearsal I came home you know so there are you, you if you want to do it you can because mm-hmm. we, we make I, time for what we want exactly and I used to be like well if I do this volunteer work I can't go to church because it's always on the days that I have to go because I'm Seventh Day Adventist, and so a lot of the community work that I wanted to do was on Saturdays. But I decided I'm going to do it on a Saturday, and just I won't go to church. Mm-hmm. But when I tell people that at church, they're like, "Oh my goodness, no! That's the that's a blessing. You're doing God's work. Absolutely. So even if you're missing church, you're still doing God's work. Yeah, you're not missing church every Saturday. Yeah. yeah so I don't feel bad about it anymore mm-hmm. because I know that I'm still giving back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm still doing something to help. Mm-hmm. Like w- one day I was, I, I went and helped put up fire alarms, smoke, smoke detectors in people's house. So I mm-hmm. learned how to drill and I was drilling the fire detect smoke detectors up. Um, I've done that. I've planted trees. I've planted, um, done plants. I've done, I went, I helped at um, Habitat for Humanity. So I've done all a little bit of everything. That's beautiful. Um, so thank you so much for being on GYSB talks again and sharing your story. You are such a beautiful human being and I'm so blessed to be connected with you outside of Mm -hmm. our little gym experience. I'm so glad that we connected and we've, you know, we've done our little hikes and things like that. So I appreciate you. And, Mm -hmm. um, if anybody wants to connect with you, would you like to share anything like that? I know you're not. I'm not, but I don't mind. My 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 Instagram is open for everyone. Okay. So it's not like it's um, it's it's not spelled the the way it's supposed to, but I'm gonna say it, then I'll spell it. It's called it's the divine girl. I mean the divine one, and it's D as in David A, and so that's duh, and then divine is D as in David E, V as in Victor I, and as in Nancy E, and the number one. Okay. I'm going to put so, that in the show notes too. Yes. So that people yes. can just click it. It'll be a hyperlink. Mm-hmm. So you guys, when, yeah. you, when you see down in the bottom in the show notes, just click it. It'll be a hyperlink. Mm-hmm. Say hi to her, Elizabeth. Tell you heard about her on a GISB <laughs> Talks. Tell her Carla sent you. 
And if you want to be connected um, outside of the podcast to me, I am Carla. But um, on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, I am G-Y-S-B Movement. I will also put links to all of those platforms in the bottom in the show notes. If you have any questions, please let me know. Whatever you want to hear on the podcast, I keep telling y'all, let me know. Spread the word. I am enjoying this journey. And I'm so glad that those of you who are here already are here with me. Let's get some more people in here. Let's elevate together. Let's grow this movement. GYSB Talks is a part of the GYSB movement, helping women of all shapes, sizes, and colors to elevate to their next level of optimal living. That is the goal, doing this thing together. So let me know what you want to hear because this is for you and for me, right? It's for all of us. Um, Until then, um, be sure to share the podcast. Be sure to follow GYSB Talks, whatever platform you're listening to me on, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, wherever you are. Just make sure you turn on your notifications so that you don't miss any episodes. We drop episodes every Monday at 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. All right. Until then, I will talk to you later. Thanks, Elizabeth. You're welcome. Thank you for bringing me on. Awesome. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All content on this podcast and any linked blog, podcast, webinar, course, or video material is created and produced for informational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health advice. The information is general and may not be suitable for your personal circumstances or complete health objectives. Do not use this content as a standalone resource to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease for therapeutic purposes or as a substitute for the advice of a health professional. Never delay seeking advice or disregard the advice of a medical professional based on our content here on this podcast. If you have questions or concerns about your health or medical condition, please seek guidance from a medical professional.